What's up, peeps? It's Eben. It's funny doing this over and over again. I have to. It gets a little stale saying the same thing all the time, you know? Ex NFL or turn yogi. <laughs> it's fun. You know what it is. Um, it's excellent to be with you guys. I'll say that. That is for certain. Um, I hope this finds you standing in your highest greatness, living with strength and courage for the highest good. I know it is. I know you are. Uh, today's episode, really fun one with a soul brother on the journey. His name is Chase Hobby. Spent 10 years in the Navy as a pilot, flying jets, landing on aircraft carriers, all kinds of cool stuff. He was the systems analyst or weapons, you know. In Top Gun, he was Goose, as he will explain to you. Um, and him and his partner, Evan Seal, business partner, uh, another ex-military, I believe Special Forces, they've created one hell of a company. It's a CBD company, Verb Labs, VRB Labs. Uh, really incredible products. I, I got introduced, these guys, Chase reached out to me a little while ago, probably back during the hot boxing days. So a couple of years ago now, and, uh, just said he was a fan and he appreciated the movement and all of it and shared with me what he was doing. And finally we got connected and I love their story. I love what they're doing. Their products are fantastic. Um, which reminds me, you lucky listeners are getting a very special offer from Chase and Evan at Verb Labs on their exquisite CBD. Use code EBBINFLOW20 at purchase on VRBLabs.com. I tell you what, their work CBD Tincture is phenomenal. It's one of the best CBD tinctures I've ever taken. No bullshit. Their sleep tincture is phenomenal as well. Um, It's excellent. Their formulations are great. Products are super effective. They work. I talk about that. I talk about that uh, a lot. You know, when you're purchasing supplements, CBD, whatever it might be, you want this stuff to work. You want to feel a difference. And their stuff is absolutely awesome. So I highly encourage you to check them out. And I'm excited to support these guys. Love our military brethren, uh, brothers and sisters who have served. And uh, love to do anything I can to support them. So I think you will enjoy this conversation as well with Chase Hobby of VRB Labs. Check it out. Uh, Before I let you go, buy optimizers, baby. Our good friends at Bioptimizers, if you, an incredible combination, high potency magnesium, magnesium, one of the most quintessential minerals that our body needs to maintain total well-being, helps us deal with inflammation and stress, helps us sleep better, calms our nervous system, it's fantastic stuff. Magnesium breakthrough from Bioptimizers, there is no better product. 
in the magnesium realm than magnesium breakthrough dot uh, magnesium breakthrough from bioptimizers. And you can find that at magbreakthrough.com forward slash ebb and flow. Use code ebb and flow 10 on checkout to get 10% off your next order. I highly recommend it. If you take nothing else, take this product. It works. I'm telling you, I use it every day. Magnesium is, is a big one for me. So that's about it, y'all. Lots of love to you guys. Have an excellent rest of your day. Enjoy this episode, and I'll see y'all on the flip side. Peace. You have unlocked the eternal link to internal source. The key of imagination. Your admission. Access to the enlightened dimension. A gateway at the junction of darkness and light. The place at which the chaos of our conditioned frame of mind give way to a life in constant flux, only to be mastered through vigilant discipline. Peaceful times may come, testing times may go. This is the ebb and flow. Chase Hobby. What's up, my brother? Not a mucho, man. Very, uh, very glad to be here. Thanks again for uh, for having me, man. I, I really do appreciate it. Absolutely, man. I'm stoked to dive into your story, talk about what you're doing. Um, to be of service in this world, it's really important. It's great stuff. Uh, so we were just talking before we got started. I asked you when you left the military. And uh, I think that Maybe before we get into that point, let's backtrack a little bit and talk about your life going through the military, what drove you into the military, how you came into that world, and uh, where you come from. I guess that's the best place to start. Yeah, I, um, gosh, start beginning from the beginning. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I grew up in Clearwater, Florida, uh, right outside of, of Tampa, and, um, you know, I, I, played sports, did, did everything you're supposed to do, I think, as a kid. Um, and, uh, and I always sort of, uh, you know, saw myself as, uh, as a, as a aspiring athlete to one degree or the mm. other. And, um, and, you know, it, it sort of, as I grew up, I sort of became, um, or it became clear to me that, uh, I, you know, I wanted to do something sort of outstanding with my life. I wanted to serve and I was just trying to figure out as a kid, you know, how, how best to do that. And, um, it also occurred to me that, you know, when it came time to figuring out college, uh, that, you know, there was nobody to, to pay for it. There was, there was a, um, mm. there was a, a due gap there. So, um, <laughs> figuring out how I was gonna, how I was gonna do that was sort of, um, on my mind early. And so, you know, luckily for me, um, I had folks that, you know, what they lacked in financial, um, ability, they, they more than made up for in, uh, in, in good direction. And so, you know, essentially it was like, Hey, you, you need to do great in school and, uh, and be great on the field. And luckily that, that, that sort of worked out. And, um, and the bottom line is I ended up getting a appointment to the U S Naval Academy in, um, in Annapolis. Mm. Uh, which was, was fantastic. And, um, yeah, I, I was 
super lucky to get there. I was super lucky to be there and ultimately very lucky to graduate uh, from there. And so did that for four years, played, uh, played rugby uh, along with stints um, playing football and soccer. And so um, the short and long of it is I was, again, just uh, you know, very lucky to be there and even, even more lucky to graduate with a, uh, uh, a set of orders to flight school in, in Pensacola, Florida. So I was a naval flight officer uh, from that point on for, for 10 years in, mm. uh, in the fleet, as it were. And um, again, like lots, lots to unpack there, but the bottom line is it's like, it's, it's the best job there is uh, end of, end of sentence. It's uh, certainly the best job in the military um, flying and, and doing all that off the aircraft carrier. So that was, that was incredible. Um, That's incredible. And uh, yeah, like I said, man, 10, 10 years of that. And, and uh, that was, I got out, gosh, two and a half years ago ish. Three years ago, I guess. I guess. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. So Annapolis, that's a big deal, man, to go to that school. I mean, yeah, that I fired up West Point. I mean, you're talking about. I mean, what does that mean? Talk about the meaning of that as far as the military goes, and the tradition and the history of the people who have gone through a place like Annapolis, and what that means for your military trajectory. Yeah. Gosh, in terms of trajectory, um, you know, th there's to become an officer in the military, there's, there's, uh, there's a few ways to do it. Um, there's ROTC that, you know, if you go to Florida state university or university of Arizona or whatever it is, you can, you can go that route. Mm -hmm. You can go to officer's candidate school, which is, you know, have, hey, I've been to college and maybe it's, I'm two or three years out of college now, or, um, maybe I just graduated college and all of a sudden I, I have the urge to become a, you know, Marine Corps officer. Um, that's, that's the route you would go um, in, in that case. And then there's the Academy. So like you said, West Point, Annapolis, um, the Air Force Academy, et cetera. And, right. um, you know, at the end of the day, we all wear the same uniform. We all wear the same rank. You know, if you're a, if you're a second lieutenant uh, or an ensign, Nobody, nobody cares or knows where you, where you came from. So uh, it is what it is, but, um, but you know, as any good, I think Academy grad would tell you it is, it's the best way to go. It's sort yeah. of the, 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 uh, the harder route to take. I would, uh, again, my opinion only it's a, it's a little bit of a harder route to take insofar as you start early and, and sort of stay on the grind from, from 18 years old on. Right. Um, but that said, it also comes with, uh, you know, the, the, what you get out of it, I think is impossible to sort of quantify, at least for me, um, as you sort of alluded to, it's, it is steeped with tradition. Um, that's where the, you know, heaps of astronauts and presidents and admirals right. and generals, and these people who you read about in the history books, like, you know, uh, I think five or six doors down from my, my room when I was a, a sophomore uh, at school was uh, Jimmy Carter's room. Uh, it's amazing. You know, uh, my, my buddy lived next to, uh, or lived in, uh, James Stockdale's old room from, uh, um, uh, very stoic, stoic fame from, uh, from the Hanoi Hilton. So he lived in James Stockdale's room. And so you're constantly surrounded by this, um, you know, this tradition that mm. it, it's really hard to quantify. And it really, at least in my case, I, 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 hundred percent believe that just being there and being surrounded by, um, the tradition and being surrounded by incredible people and sort of folks that were all at least attempting, 
uh, aspiring to hold ourselves to a very high standard um, made me, you know, it, it just made me a, a, a better person and put me personally on a different trajectory than I would have been otherwise. Mm, yeah. Um, when you're actually the second guy I've had on the pod from Annapolis, I had this guy named John Foley, who's the, the lead pilot of the Blue Angels. I listened so, to that. I, I listened <laughs> to that, uh, that episode. It was good. John's, John's a, a maniac and totally awesome. <laughs> uh, but uh, very elite, very elite um, pilots. Air, I mean, I, I, what's the word? Because I want to say Air Force, but you're the Navy pilots. Yeah, you guys there's, are, so there's and that and yeah, that naval aviation is naval the, aviation and that distinction of taking off and landing on aircraft carriers is fucking mind blowing to me. We, out on the ocean, <laughs> it's a great. I mean, obviously, there's like there's some good friendly uh, yeah, competition yeah, with the Air Force, obviously, but um, you know the naval aviation uh, group. I you know it's just one of those things. I was I was very lucky to be a part of it. And, um, and yeah, it is, it, cool. it, it is all those things. It's like, it's, it's, a it's a fantastic group to be a part of the, the it's, it's fun. It's scary. It's exciting. It's, um, you know, you get to extend your, uh, your time on a team, you know, as an adult, you get to continue yeah. to be on a team and sort of, um, uh, you know, there's nothing like coming aboard at night, um, in stormy weather and then, you know, living through it, living to tell the tale and then everybody kind of getting together for, for a meal afterwards and kind of looking around and just like, you know, everyone's, we're having a good time. <laughs> we're laughing, we're telling jokes, but it's like, gosh, that was, that was some real shit that just, that just happened. Um, no doubt. And yeah, in, in my case, like there's, there's, you know, two groups of, of, of guys, essentially there's, um, there's, pilots and naval flight officers i was a naval flight officer which essentially just means like if you've seen top gun i was mm. the goose character mm. uh -huh. <laughs> in that in that setup and so <laughs> we run like the the weapon systems we run the um, the nav the, the comms the, yeah uh depending on what 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 uh jet or what platform you're in and yeah. um you know the 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 camaraderie and you know sort of uh again is just that... being on a team and getting to do it is is was was awesome yeah, there's nothing like it. You know, there's nothing like that, especially when you get into the real world. Even, I mean, you can't find that type of team, team atmosphere and camaraderie and brotherhood and the corporate world. It just doesn't exist, you know, and most, yeah. most places you go, it's just, you, it just doesn't exist. People don't understand how powerful that is when you work together with people who are, on the same mission as you, you know, I 100% agree. And I also think it's like, it's a mission thing, but it's also a, um, you know, there, there has to be a certain amount of strain to build those relationships and to really, absolutely, uh, you know, it has to be hard, like hard. And, and this is like such a, um, uh, a trope at this point, but you know, the, all the, the good things in life are behind a, a, a very thick door <laughs> and that door is is tough to get through and so you know being in sort of extremis or in duress with a group of people whatever reason for whatever reason and 
in most cases, we all choose it. It's, it's what we want to do, but it doesn't mean it's easy. Um, you have to like do that to, to make those, those friendships and to feel, I think, fulfilled, at least in my experience, that's, that's the case. Absolutely, dude. I don't, you know, I, I think that at this stage in Western culture, it's becoming un, unavoidably obvious how important it is to struggle and strain in life to achieve true happiness and true joy in one's heart. You have to go through difficult things. We're wasting away in comfort in in 2021 america honestly i mean most most people you know having we don't have to find our food you know we don't many of us can make you know obviously there's tons of poverty and that's a struggle and a strain in itself but you know for the most part the modern american needs to go out and seek out the strain and the struggle and do the difficult things to engage or activate themselves fully in their lives. You know, something you said earlier. Yeah. I mean, you know, you said something earlier that I thought was really profound about what drove you into the military or what was sort of a guiding post for you was you wanted to live a, what was the word you used? You wanted to live a exceptional life, something to that effect you know, and you wanted to do something big with your life. And I totally get that. I mean, when I was going into high school, I, it was either for me, I was either going to play pro football or I was going to be a Navy SEAL. And I'm, I'm glad the pro football worked out because I don't know if I would have cut it. You know, honestly, I'm not that good in the water, but it just always like, called out to me and I remember seeing those guys and and watching those movies and reading the books and just hearing about that life like I wanted the same thing I want my life to be exceptional I want to be of service to this world in a way beyond my flesh you know what I mean Mm -hmm. I actually like would love to hear you your thoughts on that because like that's something I've never been able to put my finger on Uh, all the, the the deepest I can get to it is just to say like i was i i knew that i wanted to 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 do, not to be exceptional uh i wanted mm. to do something exceptional i wanted like i wanted to uh-huh. you know w- what i saw around me wasn't wasn't terrible but it was just not of interest to me like i, I was like i want to i want to get out into the world and and mm. you know really explore the far bounds of of what what is possible for me uh, just to see what's out there and to like to, to live it. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the extent of it. I don't really know where that comes from or what, right. what that is, but I don't know if that resonates with you, but that was certainly the, the case for me. Absolutely, man. It totally resonates and it resonates every day for me. You know, I find myself rejecting the, the common comforts, rejecting the status quo at every turn these days. You know, it's like, how do we get into the adventure? How do we get into the exceptional life? How do I, what are the things, the practices that I can apply in my daily ritual to give me this experience of something bigger than myself, you know? And that, you know, and and that's not always 
you know, jumping on the flight to India or whatever it is, especially in the COVID era where, you know, travel out of the country is, has become (laughs) difficult, if not impossible. Uh, but you know, it's like, how am I going to make myself uncomfortable today? What am I going to do? And that always starts with breath work. You know, breath work, I think is a profound tool of making yourself really uncomfortable, fearing that death that fear response of I'm going to die in a way that you can do it. That's, you know, where it's totally contained and you get something really profound out of it. Um, or the hot yoga or getting a hard workout or going out and getting a hike in. Usually it has to do with moving your body and exercising, you know, which is why I think, the this this digital era that we're in like i said going back to that thing of yes perhaps it is a trope to guys like us you know to see the david goggins videos or the you know jocko willinks or whoever it might be who's talking about get after it you know go hard or go home that type of thing but the world truly needs that you know you read uh my brother gave me this incredible book it's the it's the yogic teachings of vivekananda and vivekananda was one of the first yogis to come to america in like the 1890s and he went to the world's fair in chicago and just fucking blew people's minds talking about the spirit and the heart and getting out of the head and um tapping into your intuition and the soul of man and in there he literally talks about making yourself as strong as possible and strength is the remedy to the world's disease which is weakness and fear and this is this is a yogic uh mystic from the you know 19th century and this is what these guys talk about no one in there is talking about getting softer you know no one's talking about getting weaker It's all about making yourself as strong and resilient as possible. And it might seem counterintuitive to say like, oh, if you meditate, you're getting stronger. But the act of meditation is cultivating your capacity to endure discomfort. Just like the hot yoga room or, you know, the fucking trials and tribulations of going into the military or professional sports. And, you know, we look at these characters and from a, the plane of existence of modern American life where it's like, you know, you sort of climb the, you do the, the education thing, you go to college, you get the nine to five job, you watch football on Sundays or whatever it is you do that sort of, you know, I'm not going to say that's not exceptional, but, but it's just sort of the mundane things of life. If you're trapped in the mundane cycle of modern civilized existence and you're looking at these characters and you're going, wow, look at how lucky they are to be able to do what they love and get paid for it or make it their life. And it's like, no, that's a choice. That's a total choice that these people have made. And it's not about being lucky. We all create our own luck, you know, with the amount of work that we put forth. 
There is no You're, such thing as just like stepping in dog shit. Yeah, I mean, you've, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, yes, some people are born into extreme wealth and have much more given to them as far as their life path goes and what they're born into. But still, those people, if they're not willingly, willfully, consciously engaging themselves in things that fill them with fulfillment and joy and a sense of overcoming adversity, those people are perhaps the most cursed because you're born into this life without purpose, without meaning. You know, 100%. You know. There's like, you just reminded me of uh, briefly just like one of my, well, I guess my last duty station, I was in, um, in San Diego. And, you know, it just reminds me of, you know, I'd have buddies or, or girlfriends or, or people that would say like, Hey, you know, like it's, it's Sunday, we're going to go, we're going to go over here and watch some football or, Hey, it's, mm. it's, you know, Saturday, let's, let's go out and, and, you know, we're going to go day drinking and, and PB and Pacific <laughs> yeah. beach, whatever. And like, you know, that, like course. I'm not saying that's a, any of that's a bad thing. No, no, not, none of and it. And I've is, like, I've sure. done more than my fair share of all, all of all that, but <laughs> I remember like thinking to myself, I'm too, like, man, there's like, to be clear. There's, yeah, exactly. There's like, there's a, there's, there's hikes. There's, you know, the mm. swell is up. There's like surfing down. I lived right next to, uh, you know, I lived in Encinitas and I was like I right there. That. There's like plenty of yeah. surfing constantly. And I was like, I, I can't justify sitting in a room watching other people move their bodies and be physical and get after it. I just can't do it. I like, I'm going to be out there. I'll check the scores maybe later. Maybe I will, maybe I won't, but like, I'm going to be outside, like getting some, like I'm I'm out there uh, living life. And, you know, to, to the point that you made before, um, you know, I, I think just like you said, there's a, there's a caveat that, you know, there's, there's, there's poverty in the world. There is food scarcity. There's all, all, all of that is true. And so all of the, the advances that we've made in terms of trying to get more people fed and more people um, above the poverty line and more people living a life worthy of a human human life uh, is is incredible and is to be congratulated and celebrated and it's it's amazing. the The negative externality there, as far as I can tell, uh, is what you said, which is uh, that creates conditions that do not require what I think are, are sort of like the ancestral um, mm, living yeah. conditions of a, of a human being, which is to, to sort of have a, a, a life of struggle, struggling to find food, struggling to be secure, all of that. And it's amazing that we get to live in houses now. It's amazing that you get to open up your refrigerator and pull food mm. out. That, those are all incredible things. But to your point, it has created conditions where now folks, if, if they, if they even know to do it, they have to go out and seek that discomfort to, to, uh, right. in order to grow. And I think growth requires discomfort. And so luckily for, for, for you, for me, we were lucky enough to either meet people or be put in situations or just like be in cultures that sort of know that inherently and, and put us into those situations. And so ultimately we probably over time just learned that um, intuitively like yes every every time i have felt yeah. great and really tr- felt truly alive i'm going through some sort of crucible whether through with, by myself or with my friends or whatever it is 
Whereas yeah. I think most folks just don't even know that that's available to them or don't know how to do it or, or whatever it is. And so, you know, I, I think there's like a right now, yeah. for at least my perception is there's, there's a, a movement, a very small movement, but that's becoming more of a thing. You know, there are the Goggins and the Jockos out there and people are taking ice baths and, and yeah. doing the breath work and all that. Um, you know, 15 years ago, that was, none of that was a thing. At least for, oh, for me, that, none of that was in my in my field of view. So <laughs> it's it's happening, but it's like it's still certainly not not the majority, and, I think, and it's a very small minority. I would think. I don't know. I think it's growing, man. I think it's growing rapidly. I, I agree. I think, I think people are really tapping into it. You know, I agree, um, and it's becoming more mainstream. Like you know, you you see meet folks out there who are like who you would not think of it, but they're like, hey, man, you. You heard of uh, you heard of Goggins? I'm out here. I'm out here getting hop. some, man. And you're like, yeah, like I'm out here freaking getting it. I'm like, all right, man. Let's I let's, love let's that, freaking dude. go. I know. Me too. It's good stuff. Um, going back to something you said to answer or to I don't know to peel back another layer of this question you had. What is that thing that drives drove you to live an exceptional life? Drove me has driven me to live an exceptional life. It's that same thing that's that's in you looking at the people at the beach getting after it from the balcony or whatever, wherever you were and going, mm-hmm. you know, I think I'd rather be out there. You know, it's that same yeah. thing. I don't know. I don't know what that is either, man, because you're right. You know, not everybody thinks that way. Some people are totally cool just hanging out. You know, and that's cool too. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Honestly, there really isn't. There, there right. isn't anything wrong with that. It's just, um, it's an interesting look at, to me, the role of spirit because it could, it could be chalked up to who your parents were, how you grew up, the environment of your childhood, uh, a movie you saw, a conversation you had, a mentor you had, it could be chalked up to all of those things. But at the end of the day, you know, I played my high school football coach. Oh, I've had a lot of coaches who have meant a lot to me and been great mentors and teachers and great men to aspire to, to be like, and to model myself after. Uh, But those guys were in the lives of a lot of guys. You know, those guys were the coaches and the, the mentors, the teachers for a lot of guys who didn't necessarily choose to do the things I've done or be as extreme as I have become, you know, in my, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. It's like this relentless, (laughs) this relentless pursuit of, of polishing the crystal as Vivekananda would say, you know, we have our essence. If you imagine our soul essence as this crystal, and you spend your entire life clearing out the clouds and polishing that crystal and clearing away the the obstructions to it so that it can be at its most crystalline and pure to express its true essence. You know, that's really, I guess, at the end of the day, everything I do is in accordance with that mission i guess or that idea about what i'm trying to do with my life you know at the end of the day to be as present and aware as i possibly can be at all times Uh, that's really interesting that i don't know that concept is is super interesting i think it's like 
it's it's a sibling to the way I've thought about it, which is, you know, I don't know what the I don't I really truly don't know what the goal is. I'm not I don't know what I'm trying to do here. Okay. I've got like a couple ideas and like a, a very loose, you know, amalgamation of concepts that I'm kind of like that there that that resonate with me. And essentially, I know where true north is. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Is it is it zero one zero? Is it two seven five? Or is it you know three zero zero or whatever? I don't really know exactly what where it is, but I know that generally speaking, if I put the compass on north and start sort of walking in that direction, sometimes I'm zigging, sometimes I'm zagging, but for the most part, I'm pressing in that direction. And over time, my the 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 cone of of mm. where I'm tracking just totally. gets tighter and tighter. And at one of these days. I'm guessing that I'll, I'll, I'll be like this. I'll never be, I'll never know, but I'll, you know, at some point, you know, in the future, I will feel like, yeah, you know what? Like I didn't know when I was 25, 35, whatever, what, which, what this game plan was or that I wanted to end up here, but here I am. And that was just a series of like, of, you know, self-discovery doing the the thinking, um, sitting down to truly, try to make my life as, uh, as thoughtful, ex- execute my life as thoughtfully as I, I possibly can. Mm. And my, my sincere hope and my belief is that that will ultimately put me in a position that, you know, I, I end up where I want to end up, which is, <laughs> I don't know if that's polishing the crystal or what, but um, Absolutely. I'm just, I'm no, tracking in a direction. It's totally. It's that totally resonates for me as, as a very, um, as a very, yeah, it's an, it's another analogy for whatever the fuck this thing is. Yeah. hundred you know percent. Like, there's something <laughs> going on. We, there's a light at the end of the tunnel that we're like sort of moving towards always. Yeah. You know, <laughs> sometimes I'm shucking, sometimes I'm jiving, but generally oh, yeah. speaking, I'm tracking in the right direction. Yeah, exactly. You know where you're going. You just don't know how you're going to get there. Exactly. Awesome. And the, the good you news know. about that is you're figuring out as you go. And, and the, the, the more steps in the, 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 the more you actually, no kidding, take steps in that direction. Yeah. Things you, you make yourself lucky and you, you learn as you go. And so you, you know, gosh, in my case, like I, I feel like I'm in a position that five years ago when I was thinking about, Hey, am I going to stay in? Am I going to get out? What am I going to mm. do? I had no idea any of this was was available to me. I had no idea that any of this would be an interest to me. Uh, but I just started taking steps in the direction, and at some point, you know, a, a light bulb goes off, or somebody presents himself or themselves, and you know, some concept pops up in my uh, field of view, and all of a sudden, I'm like, "Yep, this is it." I didn't know that this was what I was looking for, but I found it, and that was only because. I was able to identify that I no kidding want to walk in this direction and and not let life happen to me. I want to I want to happen to it. Fucking a, dude. Fucking a. <laughs> so, let's go back to 10 years in the military. That's right. What was that experience like? Uh, it, gosh, man. It was amazing. It was the it was the it was all of it, the best, uh, the best, the worst. Um, it was, uh, let's I, talk know, about, I, a, it was the, it was the best thing I've ever done with my life. And I Amazing. could not, I just imagine if I was, if, if, you know, I had 300 years to live, I'd want to, I'd want to do that for 150 of them. Uh, wow. 
it's, it's Amazing, an incredible, dude. incredible thing to do. I think with, with your life, if you are so inclined. Absolutely, dude. So let's talk about, because I imagine you, you endured a significant amount of pain and suffering during that experience to some extent. Yeah. To some extent. Yeah. I, I think everybody gets just, if you do a, uh, if you choose to do something like that with your life, there's going to be yeah. dings and bruises along the way. Um, but yeah, absolutely. you know, it's, it's, there, there are, there are guys that get truly, uh, truly dinged up and truly give the, the full measure of, uh, of devotion, which is, um, a whole different story. But the bottom line is I think most everybody gets, gets good and dinged up and it's, um, you know, it's just part and parcel of living a, so I appreciate that. I appreciate what you're saying there. And, um, so you experienced, you experienced, you, you know, you, you had your own experience and you had, you saw what happened to other guys. Tell me about how you came, like when you came out of that career, when you came out of that life, or what, what was it that, that brought you to the place where you felt as though you were done? And I'll share mine, mine too, if you're interested yeah, in that. Um, I would love to hear it. I was actually, I, I know the exact moment. Um, I had been sort of, you know, I'd been thinking about it for a long time. There was, I had plenty of time to think about it, but I'd been thinking about it. You know, what, what do I want out of my life? Do I want to be, you know, a 30 year, uh, you know, Navy guy? Is that, is that going to be what I'm about? And that there's, that there's real greatness in that. And I thought very, very hard about doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, seeing how, how far I could take that until the wheels fell off. Um, I thought very hard about that. And I also knew somewhere that there was like other things that I wanted to do. Um, and, and I, I sort of saw myself as my self image was that of a, you know, multi trick pony. I was like, I, the, mm -hmm. yes, I am. I am this, this is an aspect of my, my image, my self image and who I am, but I'm also, I, you know, I'm not just the, the military officer. I'm not just the the Navy guy. Um, I, I also have all these interests over here and I would like to see what the world has to offer. Um, you know, I'd like to, to travel more as a civilian just for fun. Um, I would like to try my hand at business. I would like to just be more flexible to do things like come home for Christmas to see my, my right. family and just be able to stay and sort of figure out when I want to go back home. Uh, you know, without yeah. having to say like, Hey, <laughs> Hey, Javi, you have, you know, you've got five days of leave. We'll see you in your five days. We'll see you at <laughs> zero six in the morning after yeah. the fifth day. Uh, I was just curious about what that life had had in store for me. But, but at the end of the day, I just didn't know how to make that decision because I wasn't, I wasn't running screaming from the Navy. I, I loved it. So it was mm. a question of like, how the hell do I make this decision? And I essentially just, I noodled on it for a period of probably years and really kind of came down to, for me, it came down to, I was driving into work one day. I had a very early, 
uh, early brief for a really good deal flight on a Friday morning. So it was like 4.30 in the morning, I'm driving into work and I'm going to go have this flight where we're going to take a, a jet through the mountains in Washington state. So we're going to be flying, you know, 500 knots, 500 feet, very low, very fast through these, these mountain, um, through initially through like a, uh, a gorge, like a ravine and then into so these mountains. Dope. It's super dope. And it's like, it's <laughs> awesome. And it's like, frankly, it's like, it's a lot of fun and it, it's not like that tactically taxing. So there's not like a whole lot of thinking you have to do going ahead, going into it. It's just a lot of, you know, getting to use your, your skill set and right. just flow state, flow state yeah, and yeah. anything else. Getting into so the flow. it's great. And it's, it's beautiful. It's like wintertime in, in Washington state, it's beautiful. And I'm driving in to work and I, uh, I worked on Whidbey Island. So there's on my right-hand side, there's the, the Puget Sound with all these islands. The sun is rising every, it's like impossibly picturesque. Mm. And then on the left side of the road is the flight line. So it's a bunch of, uh, uh, G variant of the F-18. So it's all these these sort of jets, little jets mm. that launch off the aircraft carrier lined up and there's like mist on the ground. And so mm. all these jets are lined up perfectly and everything is just like, it looks incredible. And I'm about to go on this incredible flight and I'm looking around, I'm like, man, it literally does not get any better than this. This is this is amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm about to have a great day. I'm already having a great day. Uh, this is amazing. You know, Am I cool? Like, do I want to do this? It's, it's never going to be better than this, but I could just do this more. And I was like, you know, I, I've gotten a chance to do this. I, you know, I, I, I love it. I don't want to go. Like I said, if I had more life to live, if, if I had a 300 year life, I would just do this more and still have time to do other things that I wanted to do. But I was just like, you know, I, you know, I, I've gotten a chance to do this. I loved it. Um, and I, I, I'm certain that I will miss it, but I just got to go. There's other things calling me and pulling me to, to go see what else is out there. Um, and so in that moment, I was like, I think I just made the decision. I'm, I'm going to wow. start tracking my way out of, of the military. And, you know, I told my skipper uh, pretty soon thereafter, I was like, hey, you know, he's like a, a mentor. He was absolutely like my guy who I didn't want to disappoint. I wanted him, I wanted to make him proud and I wanted to follow in his footsteps and all that. Um, and I told him, I'm like, Hey man, here's kind of what I'm thinking. And he, you know, he, he thankfully he told me like, Hey, you know, I, I'm going to try to convince you to stay cause I, I, I want you to stay. But if, if you want to get out, I will, I will do everything and anything to help you get out gracefully and to get to where you want to go and, and all that. And so again, just like, an incredible, incredibly lucky to like to have somebody like that to, to yeah, help me make awesome. that make that transition. But that's that's how I decided. Amazing, dude! How how incredible! That's pretty epic. You're driving in, and that you're seeing that, and all that's running through your head. Hundred percent. But the, at the end of the day, like the the thing that I, the lesson that that sort of taught me was like, that was such a big momentous decision. I'm not just going to sit down and put an hour on the calendar to like do a pros and cons list and then know at the end of the hour, what I'm going to do with this like massive decision. It was a, it was weeks and months of like just hanging it around in top of my head or mm. in my head and trying to figure out like what the, what were, what was pushing me in a direction or what was pushing me to stay and, and all that. And 
I put myself into a position to have that sort of like aha moment. But I think that like all that, that pre-work and sort of thinking hard and, uh, yeah. you know, just doing the work put me in a position to like have that realization where I was able to say, I'm ready to make this decision. This is my decision. And I don't, I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna backtrack on that decision. I'm, I've made the decision and now I'm, yeah. now I'm going. That's important. Tell me about you. Tell me about how that happened. Um, I will. I, I'm curious though. How long were you pinging that around in your head? How, how long were you going, you know, am I done or am I going to make this my career? How long was that? I want to say probably about a year. A and year. It's because I think, you know, well, the way I think about it is there's a process in the, in the military where you basically are starting to jockey for your next set of orders. Like, okay, right, right. my time in this squadron is ending and now I've got to go do something else. And so that right. something else was, you know, I essentially okay. had a handful of years before I was going to get out of the military, but it was like, Hey, am I going to go, if I take this set of orders, this is a good set of orders to execute, to stay in. This is going to keep me on like the golden path and like, and mm -hmm. sort of, make it so right. that I continue to promote and advance and do all those things. Whereas if I go over here, this is a, pro this is a good answer for me if I want to get out and sort of start taking steps to get out, like mm -hmm. get, uh, you know, giving myself a little bit more, uh, elbow room to, in my case, to take the GMAT. I, I eventually decided that my best path out was to go to business school. And so I was like, well, I, I had better make sure that, you know, I, I don't remember, what the uh the equation for a triangle is i'm gonna have to kind of like get back into the books and like figure it all out um oh yeah one yeah, half base yeah. Times height. got it so like i took a set of orders that like that gave me a little bit of elbow room to start progressing out yes i understand because if you if you took the orders to stay in that would be probably like what another four year commitment or something or a five year commit or a, a numerous year commitment is that yeah. the way it works like you're signing ramp, a new contract with a team basically yeah exactly you're you're like you are getting back into the and and honestly it's like also a question of like hey is your is your head and your heart in right it. if you're gonna oh, if yeah, you're gonna go totally. if you're gonna go totally uh, if you're gonna <laughs> totally. take these orders and go show up to a squadron whatever that Thousand squadron percent. that is um you know that's a freaking that's a job and that's absolutely a, there's a lot of work that goes into that and a lot of uh your your life sort of effort and if you're if you're one foot in one foot out not only are you not going to perform uh, as well as you possibly could but and you know you're not going to be the the officer or whatever it is that, that you're supposed to be but it's also, you know, you as a person are going to know that you're like, you're half-assing it because on the one hand, like, yeah, I'm putting in all the work over here and then I got to go home and, and start studying for the GMAT or, or figuring right, out right. what, what, what university I want to get into and writing essays and whatever else. And like, you know, there's a certain amount of, of, uh, of that that you can't avoid, but yeah. I certainly didn't want to show up to particularly a flying squadron and be that guy that was like, Hey, Mike, I'm. I, okay, I've done my, my nine to five or whatever, and now I got to go write essays. It's yeah. just a not a good dude. That's how you, in maneuver. your profession, that's how people get killed. I mean, yeah, a hundred percent. And if that, you're not I mean, totally engaged in that, you can't do that. Yeah, it's not it's not good. And um, and you know, they always say like the the rule books are are in our 
profession written in blood. And, and at the end of the day, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's like, it's just not professionally cool to be that yeah. guy. That's not like all in. Absolutely, dude. I totally get it. Um, for me, it's interesting to hear you, you say, you know, I wasn't running screaming from the military to put it in those terms. Because for me, it was like, was I running screaming? I wasn't running screaming. I was probably crawling on my hands and knees. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, you know, I uh, I had this vision to play pro football from the time I was about seven years old. Um, my entire life had been about being this NFL football player from 13 till 28 and uh I got to the NFL drafted by the Jags in 2009 second round 39th overall you know really had a successful super successful high school career college career had a great rookie season um and then you know, in my second year, I suffered this devastating back injury, herniated L5-S1 really badly, um, had excruciating sciatic nerve pain running down my right leg, made my, I could barely feel my right foot on the ground. And that injury started this, this slow deconstruction of my physical body where it just wasn't doing what I, what. I'd been used to it doing anymore and I battled through it and I worked through it and you know that you can listen to that on other podcasts <laughs> I can't talk about <laughs> it right now but essentially you know I worked through the injuries battled my ass off uh my last year in Jacksonville my fourth year in the NFL had a horrible year I'd come back from the back injury um, in the midst of the back injury. I dislocated my shoulder, so I missed like my second and third year. I, I basically played half seasons because I had the second year herniated the disc, managed that, played through it until about week seven when I dislocated my shoulder twice against the Chiefs and had to have season-ending shoulder surgery. Had the shoulder surgery, came back. Shoulder was great, but went right into my third year, which was the lockout. So we missed like all of spring and came right in for training camp. My shoulder was fixed. My back was still fucked up. Then I have back surgery like a week into training camp because I couldn't, I could barely be on. I'd go in for like three plays and I'm starting at right tackle. And... I'd come out and I couldn't feel my fucking right leg. I was like, I don't know what to do, you know? There's nothing I can do here. Um, and so my head coach, he said, Eb, you got to have the back surgery. I'd had a number of epidurals injections in my back and they did nothing. And thank God, Jack Del Rio, who I love, <clears throat> he was like, Eb, you got to just go have the back surgery, come back, we need you this year. So... About the second week of training camp in my third season, had back surgery, came back, felt amazing, was starting at left guard by like week two or something. 
um, was kicking ass, playing at a really high level. And then 11 weeks after that surgery, we're in Pittsburgh and I wake up and my back is totally seized up. I can barely get out of bed. Turns out, took another like month and three other MRIs to figure out I had an infection in the disc <laughs> from the surgery. Oh, Dears, this is like horrendous to hear. Had, had to go eight weeks of intravenous antibiotics. Missed the, the second half of that year. Worked my ass off back from that. I was at home during that time. I saw that the team had been sold and our head coach had been fired. <laughs> yeah. So came back for my fourth year. There was a new team owner, new head coach. The new head coach, for whatever reason, didn't like me very much. Maybe he viewed me as like the banged up, angry veteran who wasn't going to be a part of his team. And uh, really, he just like, Looking back, it was hilarious because he was just busting my balls from the, the time he showed up. Mike Malarkey. We ended up having a horrible year. It was like 2-14. and 14. Um, And after that fourth season, I had cut, worked my ass off, came back, was starting at left guard, got injured week one, had a guy thrown into my left ankle, had like a low high ankle sprain. It was just like this. I couldn't get out of the injury mill you know for three years basically in jacksonville by the time that fourth year ended i'd been benched about midway through the year which totally destroyed me mm. killed my confidence i had been a team as my family guy these coaches or my father figures i'll do anything to be out on the field and in that fourth year in jacksonville i really came i really had the 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 true confrontation with the business of football and seeing the mechanics of this thing that I had been a part of for so long unfolding on top of me uh, in a way that I had seen it happen to so many guys throughout my career, but this was like now it was happening to me and and I was really getting this taste of what the business of football meant, which is basically that you know, the players were commodities, you know, and as we're, as our bodies start to break down, there's a guy who's younger, who's fresher, who they can pay less money to do your job. And, you know, from a business standpoint, that's just kind of the way it works. And a coach, as much as he loves you and as much as he's, you know, uh, emotionally invested, he also has a job to keep and has family to feed and, you know, it's you or him at the end of the day, uh, honestly. And I love, I love all of them, but that's just the truth of the matter, you know? Um, yeah. so after my fourth year in Jack's, I was really ready to be done. Uh, I, my love of the game had been completely crushed. My body was not doing what it had done for a long time. And I was ready to be done, had a handful of conversations my wife, my dad, um, you know, people who are very close to me. Everyone was super supportive for the most part. I mean, totally, honestly. I mean, everybody was like, hey, uh, you know, you got to do what you got to do. And we're here for you either way, which was really great. And then I had a conversation with my teammate, Brad Meester, who ended up being a 14-year veteran for the Jags. One of my favorite guys of all time. Um, shout out to Brad. If you ever listen to the ebb and flow podcast, love to have Brad on the podcast. 
Let's get seven seven daughters. (laughs) uh, Lives in Iowa on his ranch. (laughs) Um, Making motorcycles and stuff. Yeah, total legend. Um, Wore a camo suit to the draft one year. (laughs) Um, But Brad said to me, I said, Brad, I think I'm really, I think I'm done, man. And he said, Eb, you know, every year I think I'm done. And I come back for one more day of practice. And I just take it one day at a time. And then I end up hanging in here for one more year. He's like, why don't you give it a shot with another team? Maybe you find your love for the game again. Maybe you end up somewhere that really appreciates you and you find your love for this thing and you have a great year. Or you go somewhere else and you realize you're totally done and you're over it, you know? But give yourself just one more shot to really you know, uh, to really squeeze the last of the juice out of the lemon, just to see, see if you've really given it everything you had. And I said, okay. So I got two workouts, the Seahawks and the bears flew out to Seattle, worked out. They didn't want me flew out to Chicago. They signed me right away. Ended up having a really tremendous year with Chicago. Found my love for the game again. I was the sixth man swing tackle and they built like a whole new position for me as this monster tight end uh, <laughs> where I'd come in 20 to 30 times a game and just dominate. And, and the Chicago Tribune or one of, the, one of the Sun Times, one of them wrote this incredible article about me where every time I can't, how much more productive the offense was when I was in. And uh, it was amazing. It was like the year of football I'd always dreamed of. It was an cr- incredible team. There was a lot of magic. We missed the playoffs by one year. Um, it was a great group of coaches. I really felt that love for the game again. But then came back for my second year there. Signed another one-year deal with them. <clears throat> and it was sort of back to the business of football. And that magic that had been there a year before was fading and... We weren't installing plays the same and the coaches weren't really like everyone. We had this record setting offense the first year in Chicago. And then the second year it was like, I don't know. Everybody was sort of taking it for granted, I think is the best way to put it. And so the whole team fell apart. I got cut after the last preseason game. I had torn my hamstring in the second week of training camp. I stepped in this hole during one-on-one pass rush (laughs) and my hamstring exploded. And so I missed (laughs) the second, I missed basically all of training camp. And before the last preseason game, I've got the, which I'm barely getting ready for. Like I barely got a practice in before this final preseason game and the O-line coach and all the coaches are like, Hey, Eb, um, you should really play in this game. And I was like, uh, okay. I mean, I was gonna, I was getting ready for it, but why are you guys being fucking weird about it? And I knew, you know, I knew, I knew what was happening because I could feel it was the same energy when the Jags just like totally detached themselves from me and the coaching yeah. staff. Like I couldn't I'm like looking at my own line coach. I'm like, dude, what's going on? And he couldn't tell me anything. And it was that same, like, the energy drops, you know, you're yeah. not one of their guys anymore. And that was really difficult for me. Cause I had spent 
like my entire career, I was like the golden child, you know, right. I was like team captain can do no wrong. And here I am. I'm like the exile. So it was really difficult, you know, for me emotionally to go through that. It was a great experience looking back, very important experience for me to go through that. But so anyway, I get cut last game after pre uh, last preseason game week one. Four of the starting O-linemen go down in the first quarter. So they're calling me in the second half. <laughs> and they're like, Get out of here. Eb, where are you? We were signing you back. I'm, like, I'm down the street at my apartment <laughs> in Chicago. Uh, I'm here. Thanks. So I signed back. And just like the year was fucked up. And it was a mess. And it was back to that really dysfunctional like reality of what happens to a team when it's falling apart and the head coach doesn't have control and the business of football is just revealing its, its ugly head and my appendix burst <laughs> during the bye Dude, week. What are you talking about? And it was about? all this just like, like crazy. I know. Ridiculous story. It's so insane, dude. It's so during the bye week, I flew home with my family. My high school retired my, my jersey and my appendix ruptures at the ceremony. I'm doubled over. Oh, I have to have an emergency appendectomy in LA. I spend the my bye week in the hospital in LA. I got to call the team. I'm late getting back. I miss a whole week. And I come back and I'm like 30 pounds lighter. <laughs> and I'm just like, I found myself, man. I'd so, I'd, so I'd slowly like worked myself back. It was mid-season. There was about eight games left. They basically said, Eb, the next four games, don't even, you're not, just rest, get your weight back, lift weights, build yourself back up. We'll look at getting you back into the rotation at the end of the year. So I was like, okay. So I did that for, for, you know, the next month and then found myself practicing again. And it was this one day I'm sitting there in the film room in Chicago watching this practice tape and I'm in so much pain, just head to toe. Like my neck hurts. I've been having to get weekly checkups with uh, a doctor to make sure like blood checks to make sure there's no more toxic matter floating through my bloodstream from the <laughs> burst appendix and I'm popping pills just to sit through meetings Adderall mm -hmm. and painkillers and anti-inflammatories and I've got like huge amounts of dip in and you know chewing <laughs> tobacco I'm just you know and I'm watching yep. this film and I'm thinking to myself I'm watching myself at right tackle lined up against this this defensive end and it was so clear I'm, I'm watching this I'm going man I used to want to kill that guy when I'd go out there like I used to have so much rage and so much <laughs> anger and so much like a taste for the competition and I have none of that I don't even care and I'm in so much pain and this coach behind me running running this tape who God bless him I love the guy but he doesn't give a fuck like how much pain I'm in. I'm sitting here thinking it's glorious to go through all of this. And this guy back here, if I walked out today, he'd just plug another guy in and it wouldn't make any difference to him. 
I'm like, what am I doing this for? There's a thousand places I'd rather be than right here in this room. That was the thought. And I knew I was like, I'm done, you know, because it was that thing. It's like in these highly competitive, volatile environments, if you're not totally into it, engaged, activated, ready for the battle, you're going to get somebody hurt. You're going to get somebody killed. You're going to get yourself hurt, you know? And that was really the moment when I knew I was done. And so the universe brought me a lot of uh, messages. There were a lot of signs along the way. Yeah. yeah. That, dude, I'm, I appreciate you telling me that story. That's like, it's, it's super interesting. And there's a few, I don't know, just sort of loose statements. <laughs> One is... That's a crazy story, dude. Like, the, I mean, the, the appendix, like all the other ones, you're like, yeah, yeah, okay, like neck, shoulder, okay, got it, got it. And, like, and then my yeah. appendix, you're like, what the fuck did your appendix? Anyway, uh, was I know. Uh, but it, was nuts. it honestly makes me like, one thing is, and, you know, maybe we could dig into it, but there's so much of your um, self image. Uh, mm in my in my certain I know in my case and it sounds like maybe in your case as well there's like I was I have always been the uh the the athlete the captain of the team the the go-getter the one who's like you know pull 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 Ed in pull chase in like yeah we'll we'll get this freaking dialed in and it's like and it's like no like I'm I am this guy and and if if that gets called into question then I if you're if you're and this is just the way it works I think when you're younger you're your whole self-image is wrapped up in like what you do and how you do it. And if for whatever reason that is unavailable, um, I think you said it well, that like emotionally, it throws everything into whack because you're like all of a sudden, like your job goes away or you're like this, this one piece of life gets called into question and that like goes right to the core of you. And it's like, who am I? And you're like, Holy shit, I wasn't ready to answer this question. This is, this is too much. Um, and, you know, when it doesn't happen on your, your timeline, when it's like somebody else or something else just says like, Oh, we're going to have to think about this now. It's extremely uncomfortable and, and really absolutely freaking disconcerting. And then just the last thing I would say is, uh, man, like, I don't know if you've ever read, um, uh, it's called the second mountain by David Brooks. Mm. Really interesting, really interesting book. And like, uh, I'm going to bastardize this, this concept, but the bottom line is like, he has this concept of, of, um, you know, everybody has to, to climb the first mountain in life. And that's mm-hmm. essentially like, you've got to climb this first mountain, which is sort of like convincing yourself or like self-actualizing who you are and like proving to yourself that that's who you are and like what you're capable of and proving to people around you what, what you, who you are and what you're capable of. And that's like, you know, let me get into the good school let me get the right job. Let me like, let me get all these accolades and pieces of paper and, and whatever else. And you have to climb that mountain and get to the top of it to then realize that that is not enough. And that's never going to make you yeah. get, get you, get you to the point where you feel satisfied. Mm-hmm. And then when you, when you crest that first mountain, you see the second mountain behind it. And it's like, Oh, that's okay. I had to, I had to climb this one to be able to even see that one. But that one is like, okay, what am I doing for my community? What am I doing for my family? And and how am I going to make the world a better place? And how am I going to, no kidding, serve selflessly and, and 
leave the world better than I, I found it. That's like, okay, now I've, I've, I see that the, I see this and I'm going to embark on that because like, I've already sort of done that thing and I've already proven to myself that I, I am who I think I am. And I am like a worthwhile person. And I, I work hard. I love hard. I like, I have, I've, I've got all the, like the paperwork on the wall and, you know, I, I did these things and yes, 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 I, of course, but now I'm ready to like, to actually self-actualize and become the person that I'm, I'm meant to be. And I, I wonder if in your case, um, you know, when you're sitting in that, in that, uh, film room and you're like, I just, you know, I, I don't, I, this used to be a situation where now my whole self-image is called into question and who is, who is Ev and shit, if this gets taken away, who am I going to be and what's going to become of me? And, and at that point you're like, no, I know who I am and what I'm about. And, and I see this and this is no longer, the juice is no longer worth the squeeze for me. And I'm like, I'm thinking about other things now. There's a thousand places I'd rather be. Um, okay. Now I know that it's my time to sort of like take steps in that direction. Absolutely, dude. I love that. The second mountain. One of my mentors lately, he talks about that a lot. I don't know if he's referencing that book in particular, but as a uh, as a spiritual allegory for one's life, it's always you climb the first mountain to see what the what what the peak truly is of the second mountain that you're supposed to climb. You know, and for me, it really came down to, and it always does. And I think that uh, I'm saying, I'm going to say exactly what you said in different words, but my whole sense of self was built on these external variables of who people told me I was, the success of even, you know, being a dominant football player, et cetera. And when your, your self image, your, your sense of self is built on these external things it's you're you're literally you've got a foundation of toothpicks you know and all it takes is one thing to go wrong and that entire model of yourself is obliterated you know what i mean and you're left going whoa am i actually i thought i was pretty good but now i realize i don't even know how the fuck i was doing any of that you know because for me that was so much uh of my experience was like the getting injured and the getting benched crushed my confidence, which was mm. the true power that I was unknowingly wielding, you know, like right. I was unbeatable. I was unbeatable. And then I became totally broken. <laughs> and it was like, I, every time I stepped out on the field, I was like, am I going to get my ass kicked today? You know, whereas that had never been a thought before. Right. Um, and that was because my whole thing was built on just the external inevitabilities of being a, a really talented, big athlete who, you know, I was super violent in my play because that's just, I had a lot of rage to get out. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when my body wasn't doing, wasn't allowing me to do those things anymore, it was like, who am I? What am I supposed to be doing? This is fucked. I'm a failure, you know, and I had to go through that process of putting myself back together, which is really the, which is the foundation of my true work in this life, you know, mm-hmm. to be this like messenger. Like we were saying earlier, 
Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, exactly, but dude. It's like you got to go through that freaking crucible to absolutely to. That's where the to, growth is. That's where the, the opportunity is. Absolutely, man. It's so really interesting. We're this has been excellent, dude. And I do. I really want to talk about how you formulated your company. Um. Do you feel like, I mean, we could do a part two or we could get it rolling right now Dude, to I'm, jump in. I'm, I'm game for whatever, man. I'm, I'd love to do a part two. I'd love to stick around, man. I'm, I'm, I'm on your schedule. Whatever okay, be, cool. is best for you. I could go like 20 more minutes. Sweet. Can we do it in that time? Well, let's figure it out. Yeah, we'll just do it. We'll see where we go. So... You come out of the military and you decide you're, you want to go into business school. That's your direction. Yeah, man. Um, that was, you know, I didn't know what I didn't know. One of the reasons when I was like 17, 18, one of the reasons I, I chose to go to the Naval Academy is like, ah, this is, this is a really great school. And if I do this, I probably won't have to go get a master's or anything. I just like, this is great. I'll just be one and done and get out of there. I didn't, I was never really on my horizon. Um, but obviously grew up a little bit and, and found myself interested in, uh, in business and curious about it all and realizing I didn't know anything about anything. I was like, man, I, I just, you know, business school just ended up being a really incredible, uh, value proposition where I was like, Oh man, like I can go to this place. They're going to essentially just can all of, all of the functional areas that I need. They'll, they'll just teach me the basics finance and accounting and marketing and whatever else. And then once I get a, a taste for it, I can kind of figure out where my proclivities lie and where, what I'm interested in and it'll be great. And, and, you know, luckily for, for me, I had 10 years in the military to lean on and I had a, you know, the, v, uh, the GI bill and all that. So for, mm -hmm. to help with the school. So it just, it was kind of a no brainer. And, uh, definitely I was super fortunate to have guys ahead of me that I could call and be like, Hey, you're at school X. Tell me about it. You're at school. Y. like you're mm. what is it worth it? Is, is, is this school good? What are the pros and cons, et cetera, et cetera. So I wound up at, um, at Wharton in Philly. So, um, amazing. And yes. It was like, I cannot say enough about that school and the people there. It's, uh, both the faculty, the administration, the students, it's, it, it was an incredible two years. And, um, bottom line is in the first week, you know, I, I went in there kind of thinking like, Oh, this is, this is my new life. I'm going to like, I'm, I'm a new guy. I'm a civilian now. This is going to be great. Um, uh, I'm going to make all these, I want to, I want to make friends with people unlike me that are, that have come from dissimilar backgrounds and, and all that. And in the first week we were on like a, uh, a function, some kind of like, you know, uh, networking function or whatever it was. Yeah. And it's like all the guys that like looked, walked, acted the same, ended up in the same corner. So it was uh -huh. like a bunch of guys and we're all looking at each other kind of like, you know, shooting the shit. And then it's like, what'd you do before? He's like, oh, I was in the army. It's like, oh, shit, I was in the Navy. What'd you do? He's like, oh, I play, I was in the, I played major league baseball. Oh shit. I was in the NFL. And we're like, oh, okay. Like we've all, found each other a birds yeah. of a feather kind of a deal. And, um, one of those guys in that group was, uh, was my buddy, Evan, who I ended up 
uh, who's my partner in in this business. So, um, the the short and long of it is we freaking, uh, you know, commiserated over the over the we bonded really over just like the shared service, shared background, all that kind of good stuff. And um, he was a uh, Army Ranger beforehand, and so we had a lot lot to talk about. West Point grad, so we mm. we talked a, a, a requisite amount of shit to each other before we became friends about <laughs> about all that. Um, but the bottom line is we, uh, you know, we became fast friends and became like, you know, really tossing around all these ideas about what we wanted to do and entrepreneurship and this, that, and the other. And we both sort of kind of in parallel would just kind of bitch and complain about, you know, Hey, you know, we're banged up stress, uh, issues with sleep, pain, inflammation, et cetera. And it kind of occurred to us, you know, on a Friday night after school, we're like, man, you know, we're out now. We're, we're out of the military. There are, we can try these, these natural, um, solutions to these issues that we weren't able to beforehand. Mm. And so we tried a ton of like ton of different CBD based products. And, mm. you know, it was like really kind of touch and go. We found, um, we found some, some that worked, some that didn't most were yeah. very complex in terms of like, for a guy like me, that is just trying to onboard. I didn't really know what I was looking for and I didn't know how to make decisions about which product to choose and this, that, and the other. And so, um, that complexity combined with basically like very opaque manufacturing practices, opaque brands, brands that were built for, you know, feminine kind of crunchy wellness type consumers versus, you know, uh, like weed culture, Cheech and Chong kind of stuff. I was just like, (laughs) I don't know, man, none of this is like, speaking my language, I'm looking for like tactical tools that are, that are effective, that are natural, don't have, you know, all these ingredients that I can't pronounce. I don't want any of that shit. I just want, I want the goodness and I want it targeted and I want to, I just want to solve my problem. That's it. And so we kind of like, as a, you know, on a lark, we are going through grad school and ended up talking to a bunch of, um, uh, formulators and manufacturers. And we ended up finding this incredible team out of, out of uh, California um, of researchers and pharmacologists who we basically took our hypothesis to We're like, Hey, um, we've done the research. We think that we can build these products in a way that are, that that's clean, effective, and very targeted. Um, what do you think? And essentially we went into like a six month R and D process after that and came out with, with products that we were actually really fired up about. So we came up with, um, work, rest, and recover. So work is our, the, the one you mentioned beforehand, it's our daytime blend for, um, for daytime stress and focus. Uh, rest is our nighttime blend for obviously restorative sleep. And then finally recover is the topical, uh, for pain and inflammation. And essentially we just like, we put it out to our classmates, to, um, buddies that were veterans that just like, Hey, we've built these products. What do you think? Um, and we just got like, an incredible, uh, we just got incredible feedback and, you know, it came to the point where we were in our second year at business school and we're like, you know, looking at <laughs> the, the normal MBA jobs that, that you, uh, you get into after school. And both of us were like, man, I, I'm like passionate about this. This is like, we're, we're out there solving our own problem. Other people have this problem too. And we're like, we are doing something that we're proud of and that, that is actually making a difference. And so we decided to, to uh, pull the trigger and, and start the company and, and take it on full time after, uh, after business school. And so we're about a year into that, which is 
exciting and scary and all of it. And, um, yeah, we're, I mean, we're fired up about it. We're, we, we give 10% of our profits to, uh, to a, uh, a military veteran, um, uh, nonprofit. So that's, that's still kind of like, you know, in our DNA. And, uh, I gotta tell you, it's like, you know, it's, it's fun. It's exciting. It's scary. It's all the things that, um, that I usually, uh, that, that are indicative to me of, of there's something good behind door number three, you know, it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to freaking power through this thing. And, uh, um, you know, again, it's just a fulfilling gig. Absolutely, dude. I dig it. Seriously, man, the work, the work tincture, no bullshit is one of my all time favorite CBD tinctures I've ever taken. Um, I love that. And, uh, it's a super sophisticated blend that you've got here. I'm going to read the ingredients just because I, I love them. You've got the hemp seed oil, the CBD isolate, ginseng, rhodiola rosea, which if you don't know about that, super powerful adaptogenic root, I believe. Just like ginseng, these are powerful, ancient adaptogenic herbs, remedies that do all sorts of incredible things in the human body. L-tyrosine, you've got the whole B complex, you've got GABA, you've got a terpene blend in there. Um, you know, and something that I'm really, why that's so, I think that's so cool is um, my last year in Jacksonville, when I decided I was going to give football another shot, I was lifting weights at this local gym in Ponte Vedra Beach, and I came across this guy. He's one of my good friends to this day. His name's Tim. And uh, he's like this little dude from the backwoods of Alabama who was like <laughs> the mayor of this gym. I'd, I'd be on the Stairmaster for an hour every morning at like 530 and I'd see this guy, he would just like walk around the gym and say hello to everybody. And one day I got off the, the Stairmaster and he came up to me. He's like, boy, you're climbing mountains, boy. And I was like, yeah, yeah, man, I'm getting it in. And he's like, he was basically like, you ever heard of ginseng or chaga mushrooms? And I was like, uh, I've heard of ginseng, never heard of chaga mushrooms. And we became good buddies. And he started feeding me all of these, I call him my witch doctor, because he turned me <laughs> on to the functional mushrooms, chaga, mm. uh, cordyceps, reishi, turkey tail, turned me on to ashwagandha, turned me on to ginseng. He would go to China and meet with these green tea farmers and, and source all of these products, really honestly just for his own experimentation. And then he would give these products out to people at the gym. And he'd get like elk antler and all kinds of good stuff. And so when I came out of football and I got heavily involved in cannabis advocacy and having been a cannabis user basically throughout my career and then being turned on by Tim to making all of these concoctions in my slow cooker like chaga teas and <laughs> all sorts of cool stuff, I was like, somebody... There's a really important thing that's being missed here of combining cannabinoids with these ancient adaptogenic mm. herb substances. 
And I think you guys have hit the nail on the head um, because there's very few CBD products I take. And I took, you know, my last four years in football, I took tons of Adderall. I was experiencing significant cognitive decline as a result of all the subconcussive hits I had endured throughout my career. And I was living in a state of, of, you know, depression and fog. And Adderall really helped me climb out of that only to leave me dependent on it and fucking a right. shell of myself at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So when I came out of football and I, I had had the, the very real experience of, knowing that Adderall was not serving me anymore. I was looking for these natural alternatives, which I found in the adaptogenic substances and various strains of can- of cannabis and um, different sativas, et cetera, that helped give me that focus um, that I was looking for. And Dude, I mean, the work tincture that you guys do, it's fucking, it's like a nootropic. It's amazing. Seriously, it, it really, yeah. it does the trick of what it says it's going to do. Like you get super focused, but you're also very calm. Like on the label, it says calm and focus. And that's no bullshit. Like you're super dialed in. You know, and one of the problems I always said with Adderall was you become like a robot, essentially. Because you become completely task-oriented and mechanical about your your process and your approach. And the problem with that, though, is that when you get taken out of the flow of whatever job you're doing, like, you know, I would use it when I would write or I would use it when I was, you know, doing X, Y, or Z, cleaning the house, organizing something, etc. I'd get a phone call and then I'd get like totally dot, tapped into the phone call. Yeah. <laughs> but it would be almost impossible for me to get that, get back into the flow of the thing that I had taken the Adderall for. Mm. Which would then lead to frustration and anxiety and then like, oh, I need to take another, let me take another half of Adderall to catch back, to catch the dragon again so that Mm. I can go back to this thing that I was doing. But with products like yours, especially what I found, is that focus transcends that thing and you can sort of hop from one thing to the other seamlessly if a phone call comes, you can answer the phone call and have the conversation and then dive right back into the work that you've been doing, um, which I think is really important. And I've talked to a lot of people, you know, obviously I've had a lot of friends that I think we've all had friends at this stage that have become dependent or mm. heavily uh, in need of Adderall to do whatever it is they're doing. And I totally get it. Um, but it's unfortunate and and it's always the same it's like oh at three o'clock in the afternoon i experience i fall off the cliff and into the black depression and i have to start smoking weed or drinking alcohol or take another pill or do the other thing you know to reset myself and then you're just in this really destructive cycle you know um and your products are an answer to that dude so i i gotta commend you and give give acknowledgement to that you guys have really tapped into something i think is really special 
And that's why I wanted to bring you on and, and support you in whatever way I can, because good, good products in this realm are, are really important. And I'm, I'm passionate about exposing those to people because there's a lot of people who need that, you know? Yeah. That means a lot to hear you say that, man. It's a, that's, yeah, I'm speechless. I, I appreciate it. And that's exactly why we, we built these things, you know, like the, the, at the end of the day, particularly for work, um, you know, it can, it, you can get frantic. You can get, you can be, um, I, well, speaking for myself, I could get to a point where I was like f- so frantic as to be unable to like actually complete the things I needed to complete. Yeah. I would sometimes be like, you know, have so much of that, whatever it is, anxiety that I couldn't, um, that I'd just be paralyzed. I'm like, shit, I don't even know where to start, like whatever it is. And, um, this, at least for me, when I, I like built these things and, um, tried for myself, I was like, you know, this is exactly what I'm, I'm looking for. I want to be able to calmly take a breath, look around, set my priorities, and then start taking care of the alligators closest to the boat in a, in a way that, that nice. I'm just calmly executing and like that's that is what what we we tried to build and i think that's what we we did and um like hearing hearing you say that is uh you know just freaking fires me up man i'm like i got another eight hours of work in me now based on that so (laughs) i'm fired up awesome dude well i'm not i'm not just talking shit and i don't really pump products unless they work so uh your 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 products work and you've done a great job man so I appreciate you. Um, I sincerely the appreciate work you've it, done. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I got to run to the next thing, but I want you to, I want you to shout out where everybody can find your products. I'd love to have you on the pod again. I feel like we could talk for hours and hours and get Evan on as well. That'd be fun. Yeah. hundred um, percent. There's a shit. I got a ton of questions. One of these days I'll start a podcast. I got a heap of questions for you, but, uh, We'll get into that. Totally, time, dude. But, uh, anyway, yeah, I appreciate it, brother. Uh, we are at, um, we're Verb Labs. That's V-R-B, Victor Romeo Bravo, uh, labs.com, Verb Labs. Um, gosh, how about, uh, I'd love it, you know, if, if anybody's down to check it out, I'll have a, I'll set up right after this a, 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 a code. Oh, yeah, uh, we're going to do that, I think. Sweet. So I'll call it, uh, what do you think, Eben or, or Flow or what do you think? Eben what's your, what's your? Evan flow. Let's do that. Evan flow 20, um, for 20% off. Uh, and, um, I, you know, again, like I appreciate, uh, you having me on and I appreciate y'all for listening. And, um, yeah, man, this, uh, it means a lot. I really do appreciate it. You're the man chase. Appreciate you, brother. And, you are. uh, <laughs> lots of luck to you. Uh, we're here supporting and, uh, I'm sure we'll have another conversation down the line. Check it out. Everybody verb labs, vrblabs.com great products seriously very high quality uh high potency i recommend them and uh that's about it i appreciate you man have an excellent rest of your day and you too uh, thanks bro lots of love to all you guys out there thank you for listening as always i'll see y'all on the flip side peace